3D printing technology is pushing the limits of customization, bringing ease to surgical planning and making predictable outcomes. If you are a surgeon wanting to make lives better, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And now, your host, Dr. Ruchi Pathak-Cole, to take you on this beautiful journey. Hello everyone. Before we begin a really interesting conversation, I request you to push the subscribe button on this podcast so that you get updates about the release of new episodes. Now let's not keep you waiting and get straight to the conversation. Let me tell you that you are going to listen to an internationally recognized trauma surgeon and a top digital healthcare influencer and a person who walks his talk. So welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And I'm back again after a week with a very special guest. I have with me a passionate trauma surgeon, also called the Google Glass Explorer, Dr. Rafael Grossman. Welcome, sir. My pleasure. Uh, my pleasure to be here. So may I request you to please tell the listeners about yourself, uh, the hospital you work for, and of course, your mission with technology for healthcare. Yeah, well, um, I, I am a, a full-time surgeon, a trauma surgeon. A, about a third of what I do is elective surgery, but most of what I do is trauma and emergency surgery and, and surgical critical care. I am from Venezuela originally, and I'm an immigrant to the United States. I've been here for, for several years, though. I did my training in Michigan, and I've been in the uh, northeast U.S. in Maine for uh, almost 17 years. And uh, um, that's, wow. uh, yeah, that, that's sort of what I, what I do in, a, 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 in the northern light uh, system. And... Um, uh, along with being a full-time surgeon for the last uh, almost 15 years, I've been really uh, passionate about pushing the message of the uh, uh, convergence of technology and healthcare, trying to uh, enhance and augment uh, how we do uh, and how we teach healthcare and, and education. I think that uh, with the exponential technologies that we have these days, it is really a, a completely unacceptable that uh, healthcare and education are in the states uh, that they are, and also uh, that uh, so many people uh, globally, you know, around the world, don't have access to uh, uh, the healthcare that they they should have access to. So that's kind of my my mission. <laughs> Wow. And I, I agree with that, that there is a convergence uh, using technology and healthcare together. So that, that will really make it available for to a lot of people who are really not, for whom it is really not accessible. So with that, I'd like to ask you, what aspect of trauma surgery do you like? Because I come from a trauma center, level one trauma center, uh, All India Institute of Medical Sciences, New Delhi. And so I very well know that trauma surgeons have a very specific way of interaction, which is very quick as compared to all the other specialities. And I find it very efficient. So I would like to know which is the aspect of trauma surgery that you love? Well, I, I think that the, the most um, uh, rewarding thing is uh, to be able to make a difference, you know, right away. You have a patient who's uh, critically ill, someone who's uh, potentially going to die, and then you can, uh, exactly. uh, by doing a uh, 
uh, teamwork and uh, uh, scientifically proven, uh, you know, methods, you can quickly change the outcome. And uh, that's probably what I like the the most, you know, that, that the potential, you know, to make a real difference real quick. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I'm just wondering, like the conventional surgeons would never kind of say that, you know, telehealth is something very uh, unconventional for people, but you've been doing it even prior to COVID because after the pandemic, of course, yeah. telehealth did, did come into practice, but you've been doing it before that. So what did you see? What was the potential and what was the need for doing it then for you? Well, I, the way I see telehealth or telemedicine is really a uh, it should really be telemedicine, you know, it's just medicine. It's just uh, the way yeah, exactly. uh, that we connect and we communicate amongst ourselves and uh, with patients and relatives. Um, now we have uh, different tools and we've had them for, for decades, right? We've been trying to push exactly. telemedicine for, for many decades and there have been a lot of hurdles and obstacles and very difficult to do. And it, it took the pandemic just a few days to really uh, exactly. make us... Um, make us desperate enough to uh, engage with these old tools already. So uh, um, sometimes that happens, you know, it takes a cataclysmic event to to really make us uh, think differently. Um, you know, I've been uh, really uh, preaching uh, about telemedicine for, for almost 15 years or more. Um, when the iPhone 4 came out with, um, with uh, FaceTime, uh, the video uh, app, then I yeah. thought, wow, that, that this this would be an incredible tool to to replace the hundreds of thousands of dollars machines that we had for telemedicine, and uh, we did actually a pilot project uh, with an iPod Touch, and uh, yeah. that was the the topic of my first oh. uh, TED talk. The first TED talk I did, I, I've done a few, I've, I've done, a, I, thought, I think about five TED talks, but the first one was about using an iPod Touch in a, a system of seven hospitals doing teleconsultations for trauma. Uh, on on cellular yeah on on cellular networks wow that's way back so this must be like this is 2011 when we did this oh my god and, uh, so and, we had to make the pandemic to happen so yeah. that it comes worldwide <laughs> oh wow yeah so then after that you know I, 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 a few years after that about 30 uh, 2013 i saw the potential of google glass i was uh, attending a, a, a course at uh, exponential medicine and i saw the uh, inventor of google glass uh, uh, showing us what Google Glass could do. And I had another, you know, aha moment uh, saying, wow. wow, this tool could really change how we exactly. communicate and connect. So that same year, a couple months later, I, I did the first operation with Google Glass and people just went, went crazy about that. It was very exactly. disruptive to do that. And it was just a simple thing to connect me better with my students so that was uh, so in my country also you're known as the google glass surgeon so <laughs> people know you like that yeah <laughs> wow incredible thank you so after google glass what was the next next technology which kind of you know intrigued you it, well you know yeah, well, you know, certainly over the last few years, I've been doing quite a bit with um, with artificial intelligence and trying to learn as much about it. I've done several certificate courses at MIT, and uh, but along with that, um, uh, probably virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, mixed reality, you know, what we call uh, extended realities, yes. uh, have been really the focus. Uh, trying to uh, engage with different hardware or software uh, companies and, and groups, uh, um, advising Magic Leap, for example, with healthcare and, and many other uh, software content provider release uh, to uh, bring that 
tool as, as another bridge to communicate and connect better. Uh, I think that uh, uh, certainly virtual reality now has a clear role in, in, in many areas, but especially in healthcare and in the healthcare education. We have seen that already for a few years now with that, uh, many um, papers and, and validation of VR therapy, not exactly. just VR for learning, uh, for learning and diagnosing, but for therapy of patients. And uh, in the field of uh, uh, AR and mixed reality, we are seeing more and more uh, uses in uh, uh, learning, in education, and also in treatment, you know, in surgery especially. We've had, uh, you know, even you know, yesterday and today, there, there are events, there's an event worldwide, the Microsoft is uh, uh, providing where surgeons from different parts of the world are uh, engaging in, in, in tele a, a tele a, a helping or teleconsultation, but you know, multiple experts in different parts of the world using HoloLens uh, during a live operation. So that is a better way to communicate than than what you and I are doing, for example. You know, if we are operating on a patient, so it's it's really fantastic. Exactly. Really fantastic. Yeah, it gives so much. Yeah, it, it's it gives you really such a lot of information, and uh, it's it's just amazing to see yeah. that. Exactly. So I also I also read something that there could be an empathy deficit uh, if you know uh, this kind of communication goes on. It is a machine which is working. But while I heard you saying that we can bridge that empathy, you know, we can bridge that empathy deficit using technology. And so these two were like completely opposing things. So what is your take on uh, bridging the gap of that empathy deficit which is present in healthcare at the moment uh, between the surgeons and the patients or whatsoever? Yeah. Well, I, I always say, you know, that, that technology is just a tool, right? A tool to 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 help us. And uh, uh, technology is as good as we make it, or as bad as we make it. And um, it is, uh, I think, very very strongly think that uh, technology can actually make uh, uh, the interaction better, and uh, especially in healthcare, can make uh, the patient doctor interaction also uh, more uh, humane and, and more uh, empathetic uh, we have lost unfortunately you know in the last couple of decades uh, with the advent of digital health uh, digital health used in a, in a bad way in a poor exactly. way in the wrong way we have uh, really seen a, a loss of uh, loss of compassion loss of empathy in medicine because we're focused on the machine yeah. We're not focused um, on the exactly. patient. And I think that uh, now uh, we have the technologies that if we use them smartly, we can connect with the patient directly and we can have maybe, you know, the, the, the head-mounted device like Google Glass or like View 6 Blade or like HoloLens or Magic Leap provide us with all the digital medical information from the electronic record in front of us. And we basically have a still even better contact with the patient. And, and uh, so we, we grow on that uh, empathy that is so important for the, for the patient-doctor uh, relationship. So uh, um, I think that is uh, about the use we give it. And I think that is a phenomenal tool to do that. But we need to push to rescue that yeah. uh, very hard. And I, I totally understand that part, that we need to use technology to our benefit rather than technology using us, which is happening the other way around, uh, otherwise. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So, uh, Dr. Rafael, you know what happened? I read about you that you're from Venezuela and I could connect that you come from, you have your roots uh, in a developing nation. And, you know, you can very well understand the problems that a developing nation faces in terms of the economics that it has. So I could really uh, want to yeah. ask you about that. What do you think? How did you overcome those challenges of, you know, 
um, starting with technology because these are all expensive things happening around. Like if if I want to start with VR, it's going to be an expensive stuff. So how how did you manage that expense? How did you uh, go ahead with that? And how could you spread it? Because it's not about just me doing it. It's like about you know, spreading it. So how did you do that? Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, all technologies that start uh, expensive and uh, big and slow and uh, and uh, not uh, maybe even uh, very nice looking. And uh, then with time, <laughs> technologies certainly evolve, right? Uh, and yes. they evolve fast and somewhat exponentially, we could say. So they become smaller and they become uh, less expensive. They uh, increase in power. And uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, in a way, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, technology can help us in a way uh, spread the message and, and what, make the communication more widely available. So uh, eventually uh, that will allow, uh, in this case, healthcare, for example, to be more accessible. So uh, initially, obviously, if you are in a place that has less development or a patient a place with a less socioeconomic development, a low income, uh, certainly, it's a it's a more difficult job to do uh, at the beginning, but with time, I think that uh, the thing almost inverts uh, inverts because it allows us to, to 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 connect and communicate better with with those areas that that don't have the, the resources or the means. We saw we saw it with the with the smartphones, right? Where the, you know initially no one had phones, uh, then people had phones, then people had uh, cellular phones, and then people had smartphones. <laughs> so now it's growing and growing, and more and more you see people in, in very, very odd places where they might have a headset. You know, when Oculus Rift started just less than five years ago, right, it was connected to a very expensive computer and very, and now the Oculus Quest is $300 and, uh, you know, it's a more, more uh, powerful than the first machine almost. So I think that it's just a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. So we need to just stick around with technology for some amount of time <laughs> so that by the time it evolves, you are like evolving with the technology. Correct, correct. Yeah. So what do you think is the first step if one wants to move towards immersive technologies? Well, you know, it, it, it really, I think that the first step is, is to get to know about it. I think that staying curious and staying connected and networking. And, you know, that's one of the things I try to do. You know, I'm a full-time surgeon, but I see also that I have a responsibility, you know, as a practicing surgeon uh, who's on the trenches and living the problems of healthcare. I think that it's a responsibility for me to also be a communicator, uh, so a, a preacher of the message, because, uh, uh, you know, if you want to start uh, with that, you need to hear it from, from someone. And, and uh, you know, there are a lot of messages out there, marketing messages, you know, companies and, and uh, people who are uh, who are creating stuff. But I think that when you are, let's say, in healthcare and uh, you hear someone who's in healthcare talking about this, then you almost make it, it, it it's a little bit more of a, of a trusted source, I guess, in a way. Exactly. Because you know that that person really, really is yeah. actually... Uh, Addressing to the right problem. Leaving the same problems yeah. that you address. So I think that's yeah. And I think it makes you feel that the that person is communicating the right uh, problem because they know the problem. They are in that system to know the problem. So, yeah, that definitely connects better. Exactly. Exactly. That's very important. So, uh, 
Do you hold any, like, I would like to ask you, what are the kind of technologies that you feel can be used in an OR setup, in an acute OR, like, you know, because people usually say that in an acute setting, you can't use many technologies. So in your experience, what are the technologies that we can use in a trauma center in an emergency room, for example? Well, you know, I think that uh, anything that allows us to uh, connect and communicate better, anything that allow uh, us to connect uh, with the medical record better, uh, anything that allows us to connect with the patient better and get data from the patient, you know, it's, it's fair game in, in chronic and an acute disease. Uh, if you can think of a trauma patient who comes in and the patient has already all their medical physiology, you know, uh, uh, parameters uh, uh, recorded on a on a on a on an Apple Watch or an Aura Ring or or, or 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 on a chip in the under the skin, you know you can you know imagine the potential of getting all that information immediately, you know, in the acute trauma setting, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine a patient who comes in and, and suddenly you know you are able to to a, a, a you know. A, access, uh, you, you do a tomography, right? You do a CAT scan, uh, uh, you know, images of the abdomen, for example, and you're trying to figure out if he has any injury intra-abdominally. And then uh, you can get those images. And then now we have to wait a few minutes and go to the computer and look at the images. Imagine if you had a magic leap device or a HoloLens and the images were immediately loaded as fast as in the computer, as fast in the HoloLens and you could look at those images in, 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 in 3D renderings and you could go in any angle, not in three, you know, axis is like in CAT scans, you know, sagittal, coronal, uh, axial, but you can go in any angle and, and see the images right there in the trauma bay and you could then make a decision rapidly and rush the patient to, to the OR or to the ICU or whatever. Imagine a patient with a, with a, with a, with a, with a massive, a massive uh, a, a, you know, facial trauma and, and you could uh, have the way to very quickly get a, a 3D a, a, images of those uh, a, a, a bones a, a, and then you know a, you know I see that you know it's a, we're talking about surgeons in 3D printing you could quickly immediately 3D print parts you know for a replacing the the, the, the missing uh, uh, bony fragments, for example. Uh, there's a company that, that uh, I'm very fond of uh, who's starting, uh, they're called TechFit, TechFit, and, uh, and they're based in, in, in the U.S. and in Colombia, in the country of Colombia, and, uh, and they are also, they, they have the, the mission of democratizing 3D printing. So imagine that you could get a 3D uh, printed uh, part, you know, in, in just seconds or minutes, you know. All those things are possible. So I think that in acute care, as well as in, in chronic care, technology has a tremendous role that we are barely tapping. So it's really exciting. Right. So we basically need to change our mindset as to use yeah. technology, because otherwise conventionally people feel that, you know, you just can't use it for an acute setup. Like usually that is yeah. the feeling that you have. So I yeah. think that, that mindset needs to really change uh, on this. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. It, it, it's hard. It's, it is hard to change minds, but, but it's I think important. your persistence has been really great because uh, because I heard your name at that point in time. I still remember that you know it was like in my country it was viral that there's this Google yeah. Glass surgeon. You know, he's operated <laughs> a patient in the Google Glass. So it was yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I still well, remember that so well. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad. 
I'm so happy to talk to you. Actually, uh, it's really oh, nice you, to Richie. connect with people, and especially feel that telehealth. Getting thinking about telehealth makes people, you know, it was not big, making people comfortable, but this pandemic actually got everything in place, and I think it had to happen for the reason. And so, a lot of things have definitely come virtual by that way. So, I'd like to ask you, what was different for you in the pandemic, with respect to the work that you're doing? Well, you know, it, you know, the, the, the work itself is, is the same, you know, because mostly I do emergencies, right? So that doesn't change. We saw a period of maybe a week or two when we had very much nothing, you know, and then, you know, it came back to normal and even more. Um, certainly the pandemic, uh, you know, the, the way you, you approach a patient has changed, you know, with the they, they now a stress on 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 protection, you know, of the patient and protecting the provider, you know, PPEs and you know, masks and respirators exactly. and whatnot. All of this is really a, a burden, and it's really really difficult to 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 uh, adopt all this uh, so quickly and, and 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 persistently, you know, for months and months and months. Uh, but obviously, it's important. So that has really been the, the main the main issue. You know, uh, you have to be very careful protecting the patients and protecting yourself more than more than ever. And uh, you know, if you enter the ER, you have an N95 mask, and even if the patient is not, it, it, personally, I, I, I assume that everyone is is, is infected. You know, you can yeah. know you cannot yeah, know exactly. who's infected yeah. or not. So I just Thank assume you. that everyone is infected and take maximum precautions at all times. And then imagine, you know, if you operate on someone whom you know that they're positive, right? Because even if they're negative, that there's a false negativity rate, right? So you yeah. have to really be really. So it, it, it adds a level of stress. And if you think about you know the, the the other providers that are you know pillars of healthcare, right? The nurses, you know how exactly. poor nurses, you know the, the nurses have it much worse than we do because we might see a patient you know for a few minutes, a few hours. The nurses are there, you know, constantly, twelve-hour shift and constantly exactly. in and out and in the ICU. And then so the nurses are really the, the real heroes of this pandemic. And also uh, we got to talk about you know the issues that the pandemic has brought in mental health, right? Uh, exactly. Not just from the provider side, but in the patient side. You know how people is trapped at home and and with a reason you know it's important that people you know i think that it's very important that we promote you know social distancing and we promote the use of ppes and you know this is a question of survival but uh, that obviously has brought a lot of mental issues uh, which are real and uh, sometimes when you see patients who have these mental issues or when patients see you know providers who have mental issues then exactly. you know the connection the communication it then suffers and that's a problem definitely that has gone to be like that. So it was really nice talking to you. Now I'd like to ask you if there's any message that you'd like to give because you are a great communicator. <laughs> because listening to you, people will be really intrigued to catch up with technology for sure. Well, no. Yeah, no, thank you, Roger, for the, for the, um, for the opportunity. And, and it's really, uh, you know, I'd love to stay connected and to really continue to, 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 to communicate and, and, and connect with, with your audience. You know, I'm very active in Twitter and LinkedIn uh, for this type of uh, a reason. And uh, I also have my, my website, you know, which is a blog, it's an educational blog that is really interesting and has all the information that I, I really feel that it needs to be shared. But uh, the message would be a message of uh, a, a, a thinking that a technology is not our enemy. A technology is a, a, a 
part of being human, just like we carved yes. the flowers, the stones back in the ages, you know, to bring in uh, rovers to the to, to Mars. You know, it's the same the concept of technology, and technology is as good as we make it or as bad as we make it. And that is really important that we use technology in a smart way to uh, connect and communicate better in healthcare and in education, and that uh, 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 you know it, it is really, really paramount that we use technology to rescue you know the empathy and the compassion that must be present in the healthcare interaction. Definitely. Thank you so much. That was such a great message. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Ruchi. My pleasure, my pleasure. Wow, such a refreshing session on healthcare technology in general. This does suggest that as professionals, our learning shouldn't stop. So stay curious, because as long as you are curious, you will grow. That's all for this week. Next week, it's the International Women's Day. I have another special guest for you on the Women's Day. So let's connect next week for another amazing episode. Till then, stay safe and live with passion. Life is a work in progress. What matters at the end is the journey.